Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. In, in four basic principles. Here's the first one. Our Lord had to diagnose the problem that's in the heart of all men. He had, he had to get the problem right. If he had not gotten the problem right, there would be no hope of fixing the problem. He had to diagnose the problem. The second thing that he had to do is he had to provide the antidote to that problem. He had to have an antidote that would fix what he diagnosed. The third thing that he had to do is convince people that they had the need. That's not always easy to do. Plenty of times people are set in their ways. They've settled in who they are and what they're about. They don't want you to tell them that they have a problem. Uh, they want to live the way they're living. And if you tell them there's something wrong or something going on that's not right, they might well react. And so the Lord faced a real challenge in having to convince people that they had the need that he had diagnosed. And then number four, he had to be able to motivate them to choose his cure. One of the great things about our Lord is he never makes anybody do anything. He's not in the compelling business, but he is in the motivating business, thank God. And he will draw you by his spirit and encourage you to choose. As I talk about this with you today, I, I want to take you back first into the Old Testament and then into the New Testament and then in our contemporary setting today and give you, from a biblical standpoint, uh, three illustrations of sin here at the outset today. Uh, if, if you wanted to talk about sin in the Old Testament, the word picture that did that was leprosy. Leprosy was a disease of nerve endings, the nerve endings of the body. You just think about it. If you didn't have the capacity to feel, if you lost your ability to feel pain, for example, uh, what a curse that would be on you. We do our best to try to avoid pain, but if you couldn't feel pain, what a curse that would be. Sin does that. It destroys people's ability to feel. You will not feel what's going on in your own soul, in your own life, and you will lose your sense to feel for what your choices are doing to other people around you. Sin will destroy the ability to feel. Uh, leprosy is a disease that, for example, if you can't feel and your eyelids don't feel, uh, you may get sand in your eyes and not even know it's there. If you can't feel with your feet, you might step on glass and cut yourself and not even know that you've done it. You might even pick up something that will destroy your hand without even realizing what you're doing. It is a terrible curse on anybody when they lose their ability, their nerves that give you the capacity to feel. Sin takes that feeling capacity from your soul. But when our Lord came in uh, the first century in the New Testament part of our Bibles, when our Lord came, he did not one time use leprosy as his illustration for sin. I wondered about that for a long time, why he did not, but he did not. 
I don't find any place in the New Testament where he chose leprosy to illustrate what sin does to people. He chose slavery. He chose what was so common in the Roman Empire. Half the Roman world was in slavery to, to the other half. The engine that drove the economics of the empire was slavery. Slavery, where you have lost your freedom, where somebody tells you what to do, how to do it, how long to work, when to get up, when to go to bed, what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can wear, what you can't wear. Tells you how to bow and controls your life. We don't think that much about slavery in America today, thank God. We fought a war to end slavery in this country. At the same time, slavery is still very pronounced in America today, but in different ways. One of the ways it's very pronounced in our country today is in the sex trade and the sexuality of young girls being pulled into that slavery. It's a terrible curse. People in the know tell me it's right here in Oklahoma City too. Other cities in the nation, capitals of slavery, but of a different kind. Those in the know are saying that there are probably as many slaves in the world today as there were at any other time in the history of man. In terms of our political freedom in the United States, thank the Lord we don't feel it anymore. But in other ways, we really do. Slavery. Sin will take the freedom from you in your soul. Sin will rob you. Sin will kill you. Sin will tell you when to get up and when to go to bed and where you go and what you do and what you don't do and what you love and what you don't love. It is a controlling master. When the Lord wanted to talk about what, what sin is in the Roman Empire, all he had to do was talk about slavery. Because what slavery is to a human being, one to another, sin is to your soul. And ultimately, it will destroy. Our Lord said the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the fill. But if the Lord were here today, if he were standing here where I'm standing today, I don't believe he would use leprosy as his illustration or slavery. I think he would use in American culture today addiction. I think he would choose addiction as his illustration for slavery or, or for sin, for what it does to the soul, for addiction, whatever its kind, whatever its root, uh, prescription drugs, illicit drugs, or whatever, whatever it is that binds I was in church once where a lady came forward for prayer at the end of the service, and she said, pray for me. I'm addicted to reading magazines. Honestly, that caught me off guard. I had never heard that. But when I thought about it, I thought, wait a minute, she's saying something. It can come in a thousand ways. But in the American lifestyle, addiction that destroys families and destroys children and ultimately takes their lives. Addiction is one of those things that 
Probably we don't even have a family here today, but what has been touched by it in some way, and it really is to the body what sin is to the soul. It'll control you. If you've been down that road, I'm not telling you anything. It will control you. It will manipulate you. It will make you do this or that or the other, irregardless of what it does to other people or how they feel. You lose your capacity to even care how they feel. Am I not right? Somebody put up a hand or something. Tell me, am I not right? That's what it'll do. And it'll do it every time. It destroys and it destroys totally. You know, one of the beautiful things that our Lord did for us, thank God, when he created man, he gave us freedom. He gave us a free will. He gave us a freedom of choice. You are so free that you can actually say yes or no to God himself and make it stick. You are literally that free. You can look your creator in the eye and say no. And he will let you do it and walk away and live the way you choose to live. He will let you do it. He will not make you. You have a free will. There is no gift that man was given in the creation that is quite equal to the gift of free will. So you can make your choices. What the grace of God does is draw you by his marvelous love to make the choice that really is right for you. And when you make that choice, he will come alongside and make you into a new person. But when a person is trapped in addiction, there's something about it very akin to slavery that is so controlling that almost invariably you can't get out of the trap by yourself. It owns you to that extent. You're not capable of breaking free yourself. And what we will do almost invariably is just what our fathers did in the garden. Uh, after Eve had eaten the fruit of that tree and gave it to her husband and he ate and they realized that they had sinned against God and they realized that uh, they were naked and the fig leaves and everything that goes with that. And then what did they do? Did they run to the God that made them and loved them and said, I've, I've sinned and I have a problem? No, they did not. And we don't either. The statement in Holy Writ in Genesis 3 and 10 is this. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Addiction will make you run from the people and from the God that love you the most and can help you. You will run from them. You will try to get away from what can save you. It's the nature of slavery. It's the nature of addiction. Adam's choice totally, utterly corrupted his willpower. It disfigured the image of God in his soul. 
how desperately all of us need help. There's no one here today but what we need a friend. We need an outsider that can come alongside us, that understands the root of our problem and can help us. If we can't fix it and we run from the one that can, there must be an intervention somewhere that can somehow bring us to our senses. Thank God, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came, he was hanged on a cruel cross. He is the intervention. He is the one that steps into our lives and says, I have a better plan for you. He is the one that looks at us and says, you have violated me. You have rejected me, but I still love you. I never stopped loving you. And I gave my blood for you. The passage that grips me in this regard that really does summarize how our Lord diagnosed the problem and provided the cure is summarized so easily, so well in John 3.16. But as I think about John 3.16, I, I think about it, you have to reverse it. Uh, the Lord gave the cure in John 3.16 before he identified the problem. He really did. Listen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. That's the cure. That's what will fix it. That's what will bridge the gap in your own soul between you and God. That's what will heal you deep down inside you and make you a new person. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's the solution. Now, what is the problem? It's in the second part of that verse. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Say perish. Don't ever forget that perish is in John 3.16. Sin is killing us. We'll lose our eternal soul. And what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I know there are some that want to take that word perish out of John 3.16. We must never do it. For the wages of sin is death. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. I, if I could show you a picture, I would show you a picture of that huge OU football stadium packed full of people. Make the same point with thunder, I guess. They just don't have a, a, an arena that will handle that many people. Uh, but in that huge stadium, here's the point. Everybody in that huge stadium, if you had a picture and looking down on that huge stadium, everybody in that stadium is in the same condition. 
we're all rebelling against God. We're all going our own way. We've broken relationship with him. And he calls us back, everyone in the crowd. Not only that, it's universal. It's worldwide. Anywhere you go in the world, the same diagnosis fits. The gospel message is there is no one anywhere in the world but is living in this same condition. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So Christ was offered, thank God. And unto those that look for him, he'll appear the second time. Without sin unto salvation, blessed be the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. But if everyone in that big stadium has the same root problem, then everyone in that stadium can experience the same glorious healing, new beginning, salvation, new birth because of the grace of God. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross will save whosoever will and bring any of us into a new and a right relationship with God. Now, if we are not sure that the problem is quite this bad, let me give you a passage in God's Word. It describes the world at the time of the flood. We think Moses penned this. It's in Genesis 6-5. The statement is, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That was the description of people at the time. Do we believe that statement. It's very easy to believe that you have a problem, but mine's not that bad. The gospel says we're all in the same boat. I ask you, do you agree with God? Do you agree with his diagnosis of what man's problem is? And then I can ask you, does it describe you? I submit, even if we deny it, it still describes us. There's something wrong down inside us. Let me tell you the story of Uncle Jim. Some years ago, Uncle Jim uh, started feeling weak. He's coughing. He uh, decides he's going to take these throat lozenges and goes to the pharmacy and he gets him this stuff that you can drink and he's going to get over his cold. But he wasn't getting over his cold. His wife told him, go to the doctor. Oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. We men don't, you know. And he keeps getting weaker. And he's trying his best to fix it. But then he gets weaker and weaker and finally breaks down and says, I'm going to the doctor. And when he gets to the doctor, he takes that stethoscope and listens to his lungs. Doesn't say anything, but when he listens to the lungs, he orders x-ray. And when he looks at the x-ray, down inside his lung, there is a killer disease. We call it pneumonia. 
no amount of pills that he could pop with throat lozenges would ever stop what was killing him. And it was deadly. It's either kill the pneumonia or the pneumonia is going to kill you. It's a fight to the death. One or the other is going to die. Thank God the doctor knew how to kill the pneumonia so Uncle Jim could live. I submit to you that Jesus Christ is the great physician that knows. Thank God he knows how to stop what's down inside you. The problem's in our hearts. It's in our inner self. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, is our rescue. He has the medicine, if I may say it that way, that will kill that disease of sin before it kills me. Can you say praise God? Praise God for the redeeming grace of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. I want to give you one other picture as I begin at least to try to land this plane this morning. I'm going to give you another picture. I want you to see your picture, a picture of your Lord hanging on that cross. Hands stretched out, nailed. Brothers and sisters, there are some definitions of words in life that you don't get your best definitions out of the dictionary. If you get it there, you got words, but you need to see a picture. If you want to define sin, you can get it out of the dictionary, maybe even a theological dictionary, but you, you won't have it yet. I submit to you, that the cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest definition that you will ever get of two things. One of them is the cross defines sin. The cross does. When you look at the agony, the price Jesus paid, when you look at what it cost him, the cross says the problem of sin is so bad that it took this price to fix it. And therefore, the cross defines sin. I submit to you that the cross of Jesus Christ offers another definition. Thank God it does. It offers the best definition you will ever get of love. You'll never get a better picture uh, and definition of love than the cross of Jesus. Why? Because he loved you so much, he was willing to pay that price. And so the cross of Jesus tells us what sin is, and the cross of Jesus tells us what love is. And our Lord, Hanging on that cross. Loved you so much. Me too. 
he was not there carrying his sins. He didn't have any. He was there carrying yours and mine. And he loves us so much that even on his cross, he cried out. When I say cried out, I don't think it was all that loud. I think at that point he was so weak. His head was probably swollen double, his tongue enlarged. His speech, his words may have even been slurred. But he cried out with the last energy he had, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is the crown jewel of Christian faith. It's the superlative quality of the gospel. Jesus will forgive you. He will forgive you. He'll forgive you 99 times out of 100. No, 100 times out of 100. And 1,000 out of 1,000. And a million out of a million. And a billion out of a billion. You can mark it down. Jesus will forgive if you will do one thing, if you'll repent. That means turn around. You're on the wrong road. You know you're on the wrong road. If you'll repent and go back and get on the right road, he'll forgive you. He'll release you. He'll break the power of the slavery. He'll break the power of the addiction. He'll transform your soul. He will give you the gift of eternal life. It's yours for the asking. I want to offer you a little plan of salvation. I call it the ABC plan of salvation. Here it is. A, admit your condition. If you're going to be honest with anybody, ever be honest with anybody, be honest with yourself. But addiction won't even let you be honest with you. You'll lie to yourself as well as others. Can't even be honest with yourself. But when the Spirit of God comes to your life and He's drawing you, He's encouraging you, admit your condition. Admit it. Admit it for what it is. Admit it. A, admit your condition. B, believe. Believe that Jesus died and rose again. Rose from the dead on the third day for you. Believe. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And see, then confess him. Confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord.
Bow your heads with me, please. I decided a long time ago that a congregation the size of this one should never be taken for granted. Your pastor feels the same way. Many of you, no doubt, have given your hearts to Jesus Christ and you left that old addiction, slavery, and leprosy behind. But I would not presume that there is a hundred percent. No doubt there are those here today that if you were called into eternity today, you are not ready to meet God. You're still caught up in the addiction in the slavery Pastor Steve's let me come today and I've come to speak to you I'm here to help you more than that Jesus is here to help you his spirit is here now who is there in this service this morning that'll put up a hand and say Pastor Frank I'm not at peace with God but I want to be let me see who's here. I'm not at peace with God today, but I want to be. It's your time to come to the cross. It's your appointment. We can help you if you let us. Anyone here today? Okay, stand with me, please. I give you praise, my Father, for the gospel. I thank you because it's such good news. I thank you because it breaks the chains of slavery, of addiction. It delivers our souls. It blesses us so that we're at peace with God. And when we're at peace with God, we can be at peace with our fellow men. Oh God, if there is someone here today, I know you know that hasn't been brutally honest with themselves this morning. I pray that they yet will be because there is room for them at the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. And my Lord, I speak blessing on this church and its ministry. I, believe, I speak blessing on Pastor Steve and Julie and their team. I speak that this is anointed ground holy unto the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I claim properties around here for the future expansion of this church. We call forth your provision and your grace. We, we trust in your providential care. And oh God, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever met anybody that was addicted to drugs has been set free uh, or some other addiction have you, have you met somebody like that have you noticed that they, they're not all down and discouraged about it you can't get them to shut up about it they're excited about it amen so I want to pray this over us Father I pray 
that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Father, we have heard a very succinct and clear, precise message about what sin is and what it does. But we've also heard about great grace. And so, Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. We would be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. We wouldn't be all pruned up and sad. We would be excited about the fact that we were once lost, but now we're found. And we were once blind, but now we see. And, Father, that joy would be infectious, and we would tell everybody we know about your goodness and your grace. Father, I stand here today amazed at the price that you were willing to pay for me. And I thank you for it. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give Dr. Tunstall a hand? Thank you for the clear word this morning. Would you be seated just for a moment and then I'll let you get out of here. Just want to welcome those of you that are visiting for the very first time. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.